Welcome to the Spider Career Podcast with Laura Guzman and Ed Hill. We are discussing the career trajectories of spider researchers and also those who carry out important work that enables and supports the research being conducted. It is great to be joined today by Samik Datta, who was a postdoctoral researcher here between 2011 to 2017 and is now a population modeler at NIWA, the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research in Wellington, New Zealand. Join us for this episode as we discuss the transition from academic roles to leadership position in non-academic scientific organizations. Welcome, Sanek. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, very happy to be here. Can you tell us the story of how you became interested in mathematical biology? Uh, yeah, I guess um, so. I was always quite environmentally focused I think even just just growing up and actually I think uh, animals was more my passion I really wanted to be a vet when I was uh, growing up and so that's you know my final year of school that's actually what I applied for um, and so yeah in the UK at that time I think you had six six choices you could make for universities but if you're applying for veterinary uh, you could only actually apply to four out of those six so there are only six places in the UK that, that did veterinary medicine back then. I don't know if it's increased now. Um, so, but yes, yeah, so I applied to four places and basically just didn't get in. <laughs> I, uh, I had, um, I think I had, I think my grades were okay, but they, they, you generally need a lot of work experience for um, going into veterinary medicine. And I had, I had some on the kind of smaller animal side, but the foot and mouth um, outbreak, which was around 2001, um, that kind of killed off a couple of farm placements I had. So um, that's a very long-winded way of saying I didn't get into very medicine. But um, at, that, at that point, I did a kind of had a, a bit of a rethink as to what I could do and if um, if I was just kind of going to keep trying to forge as a veterinary or maybe sidestep to something similar. And um, at the time, I did um, kind of maths was one of my strongest subjects at school. So I kind of started looking into careers that were you know still focused around um, animals and the environment but perhaps had more of a quantitative focus and so um, from there I, I decided to kind of go a bit more of a theoretical route and so I did um, I did um, I went to Durham University for my undergrads this is 2003 to 7 and I did um, a course it's called natural sciences there which is basically just an overarching um, just an overarching name for all the sciences and then you you kind of picked the specific sciences you want to do within that so I did mostly maths and some chemistry there and had a few few modules around mathematical biology, um, which I you know, really, really found interesting. And so I still kind of wanted to work, yeah, in kind of environmental science and using mathematics in some way. So I was, I was looking for those kinds of jobs after I graduated, um, basically over the summer of 2007. And towards the end of that, I still didn't find I was getting interviews for the kind of roles that I wanted. So I did a bit more of a rethink and thought that perhaps uh, having uh, having a, a funded PhD I'd see as kind of a, a slightly less well-paid job, but would put me in better stead in the long term to get into that kind of work. And so that's exactly what happened. So I ended up doing my yeah my PhD in mathematical biology at the University of York, um, basically from yeah 2008 to 11, and then my first role that I got out of that was at the University of Warwick with with Matt Keeling, um, who I was working with for about five and a half years. That highlights you know, from the adversity spawns opportunity from that kind of initial university applications to yeah. the course you ultimately took. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, things certainly seem to have a way for working out. I mean, I don't know 
any to be yeah uh, any of my friends who aren't kind of happy where they are and uh, quite a lot of those aren't that was you know where they've ended up was not the plan five years ago or ten years ago and kind of you know these twists and turns yeah. that happen that are often out of your control you know they I, they still seem to land you in a very good place from what I can tell absolutely from having that progression so then from undergraduate studies to then like PhD and then postdoctoral role and then you took this position at NIWA how did then what was your feeling in terms of then pursuing roles outside of academia yeah it was uh it's definitely um kind of a, a, a fairly big decision I think when you're when you're in the PhD and postdoc environment just as I guess with as with a lot of jobs you you know you you consider your career by what you're surrounded by and what you're surrounded by are very smart people a lot of whom are lecturers and professors and the like and so um a lot of I did apply for um lecture roles while I was doing my postdoc and uh yeah I found them quite competitive they're often you know compared to the number of postdocs the number of roles out there is it, it seems alarmingly small um and so uh, I kind of knew it would be an uphill struggle um from that time but uh but yeah I think um after working I was into my second postdoc with Matt um and I was to be fair the the role in the role at Niwa that I ended up getting I just found completely by chance I was uh I was over in Hong Kong visiting a friend of mine and Hong Kong was a really cool place and so I decided to just just have a look and see if there were at the time I just thought I'll see if there's epidemiology roles over here and just while there I just stumbled upon um this role at Niwa and so Niwa was a place that I um oh, I, I know you already said it but yeah it's National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research so people there do work related to things like like climate change um carbon um things to do with uh fishing uh weather um it's quite it's a fairly environmentally driven focus um and it was a place I it was a place I knew about from my PhD days my my um one of my supervisors Richard Law I think he he made me uh, aware of this place in New Zealand that did kind of interesting marine based research and my PhD had been on marine ecosystems so uh I kind of had it on my radar and actually when I finished my PhD the role at Warwick and the role at Niwa there was a postdoc going there at the time those are the two first applications I made and had interviews for both jobs and then the Warwick role was the one I ended up getting so um it seemed yeah, it seemed quite fitting that, yeah, finding a, a permanent role there a few years later on um, was kind of quite quite lucky. So I just, yeah, really um, thought it seemed like a, a cool opportunity. I, I wasn't ready to leave science, but I was kind of more more open to looking at a role that wasn't, you know, purely just at, at a university. And so it seemed quite a appropriate middle ground to take. Um, and uh, yeah, I had I had kind of colleagues in who I knew in New Zealand who kind of spoke quite highly of it so I, I I kind of applied without thinking much of it and then things just kind of snowballed very quickly I had an interview and then I got off for the job and then I suddenly needed to I hadn't actually really thought of okay am I prepared to leave the UK and move halfway across the world and so yeah definitely had to take ask them for a few days for me to really think about it and um, yeah ultimately decided that uh, yeah I was really strongly considering uh, actually saying it works I, I loved my job here there's absolutely nothing I didn't like um, but at the end of the day I, I think I felt that I'd probably I might regret it if I didn't take it but I don't think I'd regret it if I did even mm -hmm. if I ended up leaving a few years later and coming home say but yeah it's been just over five years since since I moved over there and it's still going very well yeah still really enjoying it there
It's great that you have experience now then in postdoctoral studies and also in this new position. So, in your view, what have been the similarities and differences in your tasks and responsibilities between your postdoctoral role in the non-academic and in the non-academic setting of NIWA? Yeah, it's a good question and certainly something I was worried about when I started NIWA. I didn't know if I'd be somewhat underprepared. So, doing a postdoc is a a really great way to start a scientific career I think because you 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 get the time and resources to really just focus on one problem and really get your head down and you know get a good understanding of things and it's it's actually a, a rare opportunity because in most other fields you, you don't get that luxury of kind of just being able to have have your little niche your little forte and just really kind of beaver away at that so um, I'd say in terms of In terms of similarities, the kind of the science, uh, I think probably the best way to start is to actually kind of explain how how NIWA works and how it's actually different to doing something like a postdoc at university. So as I just said, a postdoc, you know, generally your your PI, a professor or whomever has gotten funding for a project that is, you know, tackling a specific problem. They need someone to work on that full time, and that's where a postdoc comes in to kind of really head up that role and, and drive that research forwards. Um, NIWA, on the other hand, um, is uh, it's what's called a Crown Research Institute in New Zealand. So there are I don't know how many of them, maybe eight or nine in the country, and they're basically they were set up by the government, but then they essentially um, operate independently. So they have they have some. Um, They have some government funding which they are able to use to do their own research. So imagine just pots of internal university funding that, you know, um, Spider could, you know, Spider has, say, three postdocs worth of money that they can use to focus on whatever research they want. We have a kind of equivalent of that, some some money where there are different, um, kind of in the way there are departments at Warwick Uni, there's different centres within NIWA that are focused on oceans or the coasts or estuaries and things like that and climate and so some of the work is self um you you can um if you've got an idea for a project you can apply for that and you could get some internal funding to do that um most of the work uh newer does is actually commercial work so like how uh how universities put in big applications to places like epsrc um, mrc um we can bid for work either based on um, research ideas that we ourselves have or also when different um, government departments put out tenders for work they want done so for example my my group's called the the population modeling group um, it was called fisheries modeling when I started and then we kind of had a bit of a rebrand but a lot of our a lot of the core work that people in my group do is related to fisheries so things to do with um, uh, stock assessments for different species and work associated with that so trying to get a handle on how different species are faring in terms of their population abundance and what impacts fishing is having on them. And so the New Zealand government, um, uh, there's a department called the Ministry for Primary Industries who their kind of remit includes all the fisheries. And so each year they will throw out, you know, um, lots and lots of these tenders and NIWA along with other providers who are able to do the work, they will write tenders saying, you know, we will do this work we believe it will cost us this much. Um, these are the results we'll give you. And then um, MPI uh, looks at those and they decide who they're going to go with. So a lot of our work is a bit more responsive in that way. So instead of just coming with your own research ideas, 
there's commercial work that's needing doing and uh, you apply for that. And so what it ends up being is you have, instead of just focusing on one thing, which is what I was very, very used to in a postdoc, you could end up with four projects, seven projects, 10 projects for the year. Um, and you have um, different amounts of time that you have to work on those different projects. And those all have um, individual deadlines. So what that means is you end up, um, it, you kind of feel like a, um, almost like an independent consultant in that you, you're looked after by an organization and you have your salary with them, but you, you get to manage your own time quite a lot. So it's up to you whether or not you take on specific bits of work no one comes and says to you here's your workload for the year it's quite kind of it's quite kind of self-driven and you're, you're given support especially at the start of your career because obviously especially if you come from abroad you have no idea what's going on um but once you've been there kind of um, a few years you you get a bit more of a handle on how things work and you're able you're you have quite a large amount of autonomy in saying yes or no to bits of work you like and in that way you're able to carve out your own niche um, doing the kind of work that you find interesting hopefully like often you know you might have to do some work that's kind of rote and you do it every year and it might take up a week or two of your time but it's once you've done it a few times it becomes very very easy to do because you're very familiar with what the data is going to look like and it's just you know just additional rows of data for the for the year that's just gone for example um, but uh, yeah it it's a place where everyone kind of carves out their own niche doing the kind of work that they want with luck and um, there's a lot of self-direction in terms of for example if two projects have very very similar deadlines you might find that even though you've got the time over the year you're because the work is constricted to certain parts of the year you might not be able to take on that second project because you know that those deadlines are going to clash and you're not going to be able to get both bits of work done so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of self-direction there which is certainly one of the things um i found difficult to adjust to when i started because as a postdoc you're working on one project so you're never going to have overlapping deadlines whereas you know if you work on 10 chances are you will that's interesting to hear about the kind of those funding mechanisms so there seems to be parallels there kind of at the upper level of going out applying for funding ultimately that can then be kind of a portion to different people and you might have touched upon there so from going from getting the academic roles into the role you now have at Niwa um was there a like single hardest challenge that you felt you've had to overcome yeah I'd say um probably out of out of all the chance I've had I think it was just um just adjusting to the kind of the way that Niwa worked and um the fact that it's it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense that you're you're given uh, at, at least this is my experience. I don't know if everyone who works there would say this, but yeah, for me, I felt that I was given um, a lot of autonomy. When I arrived there, I literally thought in the same way I'd been my postdoc, I'd been thinking, okay, they've hired me because of work that needs doing, so that will land on my desk and then that's what I'll have to do. Um, but it was quite, um, there was some work lined up for me, so they had to, um, f to essentially to have a role that they advertise for at Niwa, they have to show, okay, they have, a certain amount of work that needs doing and the current staff who are there are too busy to do it so there's basically um, an overflow of work and we need someone additional to take on that role so some work was there for me but the rest um uh i was assisted by people who are more senior so people who are um, equivalent to professors here they're called chief scientists and program leaders there in um 
at Niwa and they're the people who are very established and have gone out and gotten bigger pieces of work and then they're obviously not able to do it all and hence um, the work kind of trickles down to people who are, have the skills and are able to take it on. So I'd say the yeah, for me, I think the thing that took me, it probably took me, you know, over a year to adjust to was really um, uh, knowing knowing where the work was going to be coming from and, yeah, making sure I was um, prepared for that. Um, and it's, yeah, the longer I've spent there, the easier that's become. And you kind of go, you go from someone who kind of doesn't really, doesn't have a great idea of how the organization works and is assisted quite a lot to the point now where I'm, able to apply for projects myself and take them on and so you get um, more and more agency the longer you're there and yeah you certainly start to feel a bit more independent and so um, it's a it's an interesting organization I think it's it's uh, at its best it's when it's yeah supporting people in those early periods until they're able to basically stand on their own two feet and then you're supporting the people who are coming in after you and that's kind of you know so you're always kind of helping those who are newer to the organization basically and yeah i find that works quite well has there been a skill set that you have developed that maybe you didn't think you needed it yeah i'd say compared to um i'd say compared to probably probably two things one which i've touched upon is certainly timekeeping so just um really knowing you know months ahead that this piece of work is there's a there's a meeting in February where you'll be presenting that piece of work and it's October now, but you only have a, you have a month's worth of time, say, to get that piece of work done, just knowing when, when to fit that piece of work in, in and around all your other projects. So I think just, yeah, just dealing with multiple, multiple projects with, um, with different deadlines, um, I think is, uh, it's been quite, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a steep learning curve but I feel I've come out of the other side of that now. And that was, um, yeah, that was something that I kind of took for granted that when you're doing a postdoc, it's just lovely because, you know, you're always working towards your next deadline, which might, might not be to the end of the project or might be a year from now, but you know that you've got that kind of singular focus. Whereas, yeah, when you, when you have multiple things going on at one time, just, just kind of, yeah, being organized, but also, um, I don't know about other people, but for me, I find it if I've got two things to focus on rather than focus on one thing for three days and then the other thing for two days, I'll try and kind of do both at the same time and I won't get either of them done and I'll be much slower for both. So just trying to kind of compartmentalize your time a bit um, is something that I was terrible at when I, th when I started near, I think, and then got much more efficient at it as, as time went on. Um, so the other skill set I'd say is just becoming... Just realizing that particularly uh, with with maths and modeling, um, I found there's there's the work that you're used to doing and then you could find yourself doing something similar related. Someone will say to you, oh, you've you've not done this kind of modeling before, but, you know, this project, we need someone to do it. Um, here's the code we used last time. Can you get up to speed and see if you can help us out? And nine times out of 10, you can. It's not, you know, um, you've, you've here kind of, you hear new words and new types of modeling and it's obviously very daunting and you imagine no no that's not what I trained as so I can't do that but actually you find um within newer uh well, within organizations like newer the work needs doing you're the closest thing to you know what the person who left who lasted it you're the closest thing to what they were doing just get on with it and have a bash and so just kind of 
being a bit willing to step outside your comfort zone and um, learn new skills to help out. And you find that often organically leads you to new avenues of work that, you know, a year ago you had no idea about, but suddenly you kind of feel well-placed enough. So just, yeah, being being willing to kind of take those steps and, you know, help out with work that you, you don't feel you're ideally qualified for, but really you often learn on the job better than you would by just learning things in theory. So it's been good for that, I'd say. So yeah, upon reflection, it's like realizing actually you have these like core skills and how translatable they are to what might seem very different problems. But as you say, it's there might be actual similarities there where then you can use the learnings you've had from the past and kind of apply yourself and yeah. help dive into that. Yeah, precisely that, I'd say. Yeah, I think you maybe um, at least at work, working at Neo with a lot of people who are not modelers, uh, they're kind of held in this weird reverence where where, where I mean it applies exactly the same to these other people who you know they consider themselves say a marine ecologist and they're great at you know they they've done all this uh, work with the data and uh, you know their ecology skills are amazing but they think they think they can't do the modeling and then actually they show you what they've done and and you you say oh you actually have done everything here like there's I'd say with a lot of fields there's a there's a lot less of a kind of gulf between them than people think and particularly yeah if you're in the mathematical modeling field i think yeah there's there's often a lot of transferable skills and you're quite often not as far away from all these different fields as you think you are and lastly what would be one piece of advice that you would give to listeners who are interested in say mathematical biology and mathematical modeling yeah i've uh oh, what is if i was going to give one piece of advice i think probably just to yeah related to what we were just saying i'd say just um don't don't try and pigeonhole yourself. So it's, it's not so much about um, the work you're doing, but don't feel that you are, um, you know, that your, your borders are set up by what your PhD was about or your borders are set up by what your first postdoc is about. You can always learn new skills. And if, if something's interesting to you, I would kind of, you know, go, go with your best foot forward and just, you know, be, be confident and, you know, accept that, uh, you might not know what you're doing at first, but just, I guess, just realize that if you've, if you've come through a PhD or you're in a postdoc or sorry, even if you've not started a PhD, that, um, you can, you can learn skills, you know, with the right kind of support behind you, you can learn skills quite quickly and, you know, really, um, what's the word contribute to a, to a, a larger number of fields than you probably think you can. So yeah, for me, I'd, you know, my whole PhD, I'd never, I'd never fit it to any data whatsoever. And when I started, and when I started my postdoc with Matt, um, looking at spreader infection in honeybees, I basically had, apart from the actual maths and coding skills, I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, he just taught me through it and, you know, some basic examples, actually, it was a lot easier to pick up than I thought it would be. And that's certainly not a testament to my skill, which is, you know, probably lower than that of anyone who's going to be listening to this but yeah it just shows that if you're starting from a, um, a math kind of background I think it it does seem to set you up well for um kind of uh getting your hands dirty in a number of fields and I would just say yeah don't don't feel that you are um ever too kind of restricted there's actually a lot more options than you think there are a lot of the time thank you Samik for joining us today it's been very interesting to hear your perspective 
no worries no happy yeah happy to have spoken to you thanks for thanks for the opportunity cool great that you could join us and get all the best with the ongoing work with me yeah thank you very much yeah same to you guys